And one of the pictures of Christ in the Gospels that I, I really appreciate is the story of him in Mark chapter 4. And this is the story of him being with his disciples on the boat in the Sea of Galilee. And, you know, Jesus is tired. He, he, in his body, he was a man, and so he was tired from all the ministry he had done and pouring himself out to the multitudes and, and preaching and performing miracles. And so, you know, Mark shows us he's in the back of the boat sleeping. Yeah, he, Jesus needed a nap. And that's encouraging, right? Because sometimes we need a nap and we're like, Lord, I'm weak. And so he's sleeping in the boat, but yet we know as we read that story in the gospel that a storm rises up, you know, and uh, it just kind of comes it, it, as it can happen on the Sea of Galilee. I actually looked it up. I wonder, well, what, how, how true is that, that the storms can arise? And so what happens in the Sea of Galilee is it is 700 feet below sea level. If you can think about that, I mean, it's a big lake. It's like, I think, 25 miles at its widest and eight miles long, give or take. It's off of memory, but uh, but you know, it's a big lake. But the the thing is, is that the the there's mountains on one side of it that go up to seven or 1,400 feet above sea level. So that's a difference of 2,500 feet, give or take. And so what happens is. The, the warm air from the desert comes over those mountains and it meets the cool air from the, that's coming off the Sea of Galilee. And, you know, warm air rises and cool air is heavier, so it just drops. And so what happens is you get this cool air dropping, rushing down 2,500 feet, and it hits the water and it just makes these huge waves at times. And so, you know, it can start almost in an instant and just raise up these huge waves happening on the Sea of Galilee. And so this happened one night. Must have been some hot, dry air coming in from the desert, and wham! And there they are, just trying to get to the other side, and the disciples are rowing, and Jesus is back asleep. That's our weather lesson for today. I can't give you too many more. It's about the only one I can give. And so Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat, and we, we know the reaction of the disciples. They're panicked. Right? And, and it must have been a big storm because these guys were seasoned fishermen. They've been on that lake their whole life. And they thought, uh-oh, game over. <laughs> this is it. Because they came back and shook Jesus awake and said, don't you care that we're about to die? You know, Pastor Bailey shared about how one of his friends had a vision of this moment. And it's so such a wonderful thought. And and this person had a vision of I don't know if that one of the disciples, maybe Peter, kind of like, Lord. And and in the vision, it said Jesus kind of stretched out, took his time, you know, turned to the the storm and he said, Peace be still. He didn't shout it. He just said it. Peace, be still. And the storm ceased. And they were at rest and they arrived at their destination. But, you know, one of the main 
themes of this story is that Jesus was able to be at perfect rest in the midst of this storm. Yes, it is his power over the storm, and that's encouraging too, right? We, we keep our eyes on our, on our hope in that, Lord, you're in charge of the storms, and you know you can cause them to end, but how many of us know that God has his timing? And, and that, it's, that's helpful, but yet if we cannot rest in the storm, then we have a lot of trouble. And so what I want to look at is this thought. Jesus was at perfect peace and he could rest in this storm. That was one of his abilities. That was one of the things that enabled him to continue through difficult times. But Jesus was resting in the love and the plan of his father and knowing what his father had for him to do. And he was able to rest in that. And, you know, if our cry is, give me Jesus, then it is a cry to enter into the type of life that he lived while on earth. And when he faced unrest and difficulty and storms and and tragedy and pain and suffering, there was something in him that was able to look to his heavenly father and rest in him. Now, he didn't take things for granted. He walked in wisdom, but it was a life of resting in his heavenly father. And so, you know, we want to look at this thought of walking as Jesus did in this thought of learning to rest in what God has for us. You know, we also want to consider the storm because it was a big one. And he, it was the Father's will that he went through it. And, you know, that could represent tumultuous times, uh, difficult experiences, tragedies, burdens that we're, or things we're facing that are intense. Um, we can go through those Experiences as individuals, as a church, even as a nation. But we can recognize God is with us and he's over the storm. And he, all he has to say is peace be still. But what we have to do, and sometimes he gives us that ability, but sometimes he just says, just trust in me, I'm in charge. You won't sink. I'll keep you afloat. And we rest in him. And we know that God has a rest for his people that he wants us to enter into. You know, one of the, one of the prophets that God used to warn Israel about judgment and things he was going to do was the prophet Habakkuk. And God not only spoke to him about the judgments that were going to come upon the land and right, he saw the way things were going, he saw, he understood the heart of God that God wasn't pleased with wickedness and so forth. Um, you know, and Israel wasn't listening, unfortunately. But Habakkuk not only heard from God, he experienced, he had an experience of, of what God was going to do. God allowed him to experience that in his heart, in his soul, and gave, gave him a very real experience in order to warn Israel and, and so God spoke to him, and he was showing him about the Babylonians who were coming to invade. And, and it's as if he experienced 
what that would feel like with God before it took place. And I want to read Habakkuk 3.16. And here Habakkuk has experienced it, and, and he says, And when I heard the things that God showed to me, my belly trembled, my lips quivered <laughs> at the voice Rottenness, weakness entered into my bones. I trembled in myself. But then look at this phrase, that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he comes up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. Now this phrase can be translated in different ways. And there is a meaning where, you know, he just had to wait But there's also that thought he had to quiet himself. He had to rest in that day of trouble. And so so here was Habakkuk prophesying of the invasion of Babylon. He was trembling because of what God showed him. But in, in a sense, Habakkuk was seeing what is yet for the judgment that was to come. I mean, in one sense, we're in the same place. We we know judgment is coming in the earth because of sin and we see trouble and and so forth and and in one sense we can have that same trembling lord what's going to happen but yet there is a rest in that trouble that's available to us that i might rest in the day of trouble that's god's purpose and plan for us and that speaks to us even though there's great trouble in the earth and we know that as the people of God right the bible talks about it as Jacob's trouble that comes upon Israel but yet the church experiences that we're the Israel of God and so there's a there's a trouble that comes right and we're, and we're talking about that's the trouble that's culminating the end of this age but yet there's trouble that each generation experiences but for each generation there's a rest he wants us to enter into that rest is for us individually as we see and experience trouble when we're overwhelmed like the disciples thinking, Lord, don't you care? That's what rises up. Lord, don't you care that this is destroying me? Well, he does. And he has a rest that he wants us to enter into in the midst of the storm because Jesus never promised us that we wouldn't go through storms. That's not a part of his word in that sense. The promise is that he would keep us in the storms. Although he did tell us he is the God of the storms and he can end them whenever he wants, but yet we realize God has a purpose for the storms and the trouble in this last day. But God wants to bring us that we might rest in the day of trouble. And we need to walk like Jesus, that he was able to rest so peacefully. I mean, if you fall asleep, you're, you're okay with what's going on around you, right? I mean, if, if you're fearing for your life, sleep is not something that naturally comes to you. Not to, at least to some people, not to me anyway. I have trouble. I'm, I'm a light sleeper. Maybe some of you are heavy sleepers and you can just, I wish I could do that, but... But Jesus was sleeping and resting in the day of trouble, in the storm. But that really became a way of life 
for him. It represented his way of life, that he was able to rest in the plan of his father. He wasn't concerned when the father said, yep, they're going to try and stone you today. You know, he's like, oh, okay. Because he knew the plan of his father. He could rest in that. And Jesus greatly desires for us to experience it and to enter in to that. He gave us that invitation while he was on earth. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's not much room for doubt in that of what Jesus is saying here, right? I mean, he's inviting everyone who is experiencing heaviness, trouble. He's inviting us to come unto him, and he will give us rest. He'll, it's like an exchange of what's troubling us for his rest. And what kind of rest are we talking about here? It's, it's more than a good night's sleep. Although that can be part of it. He gives his beloved sleep, as it says in the Psalms. But it says, it continues on in verse 29. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There's a rest for our very soul. Jesus is concerned about our soul, how we're feeling, right? Where our emotions are. And I'm glad of that. Sometimes you think, well, I just need to be spiritual. Well, our soul is a part of us and who we are. And Jesus wants us to have rest in our emotions. There's a rest that he wants us to enter into that to give us that sense of relief, you know, and, and really that relief comes when we realize it's not up to us anymore. It, the weight and the burden and the responsibility isn't on us. It's on Jesus because we've put him in charge of our life and we can rest in that. And when unexpected trouble and calamity comes, well, I'm glad I'm not in charge. <laughs> God's in charge. And as I look to him, he's going to determine the outcome. And I'm going to rest in that. We want to place our trust in someone who's much greater than ourselves. That he has the power to protect us, to guide us, and to even turn evil situations for our good. Right? To those who love him or are called according to his purpose. You know, and when you know that in your heart and in your soul, you can be at rest. It's not that we don't go through the storms, but we go through them differently. That's really what it is. What makes us different as Christians? People go, you know, people, whether they're Christian or non-Christian or another religion, they, we all go through storms in life. But what makes us different is how we go through them. That Jesus is our rest. But something has to happen first, doesn't it? Right? Something has to take place. Because Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor. Come unto me. All right, so there has to be a coming. There has to be a presenting of ourselves to Jesus. The world can never truly know rest. Why is that? Because they have to come unto him. All right, there has to be a coming and a submitting. And we talked about that when God's in charge, 
you know, that burden can be lifted because it's not on us. But when there's not the coming and the submission, Lord, you're in charge. I'm going to surrender my will, my way of thinking, because we already looked at his thoughts are much higher than ours. But sometimes we don't know his thoughts, but that's okay. Because he's, he's in charge and he can lead us. But there has to be that, that coming. And so the world will never truly know rest until they come and submit to him. Won't really happen until the millennium when he's, when he's in charge and they don't have a choice. They will have to submit to him. But the world, you know, they'll labor to try and get rid of their burdens or handle them. And they'll look here and there for, for you know, security or satisfaction or so forth. But they'll never truly find it without knowing the one who gives rest. And so if we want to know the rest of God, we have to give our lives fully to him. And even as Christians, we realize there's, there's, there's submitting to Christ at salvation, but then there's fully giving our lives. You know, we're like an onion that's layer after layer. God reveals something else to give and surrender to him. But as we do that step by step, it's like rest upon rest upon rest. The book of Hebrews speaks about uh, rest and kind of gives us a little more insight to the part that we play. Hebrews 4 and verse 9 says, There remains therefore a rest to the people of God, for he that has entered into his rest has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let's labor therefore to enter into rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. All right, and so even after we give our lives to Christ, there is yet a labor. And we can understand this from Israel. The Lord delivered them from Egypt, representing our salvation. But here is, you know, Hebrews saying, but there is still a rest. What was the rest for Israel? It was the promised land. It was the promise in his plan for Israel that he wanted to bring them into and he wanted to give them the land and it would be their rest as they followed him in their pathway. And so there is a further rest, even as believers, that God wants to bring us into. He wants to bring us into the promised land for our lives. We need to get a sense of that. Lord, what is the rest you want to bring me into? Cause my eyes to be set upon that so I can just walk in that way, that that will be my goal. The more we allow him to work in our lives and lead us on that pathway, to fulfill his plan and purpose, the more we will enter into our rest with him. But notice Hebrews lists a couple things of what we have to do. Verse 10, it says, For he that has entered into his rest has ceased from his own works as God did from his. He has ceased from his own works. You know, we have our ideas. As I mentioned, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But if we try and focus on the lower way, our own thoughts, our own motives, our own timetable, our own strength. That's our own works. But notice it says, only he who has ceased from all of that can enter into rest. Lord, help me to cease from my own works, from my own way, 
from my way of thinking and my way of doing things because that will just cause us to strive with our Creator and it will steal our rest and our peace. You know, when we do that, we're just getting in God's way. <laughs> you know, it's like we're trying to get in front of that cart and pull it ourselves and God's like, get, get out of my way. Let, let me lead you where I want to take you. It's not restful to do that. You know, you think about Moses. Moses knew he was called to be a deliverer, but he tried to help out God. And it didn't work out too well for him, right? An Egyptian ended up getting killed and the Israelites kind of turned on him and said, who made you ruler over us? It didn't turn out well. But you know when God could use him? When, God, when he met Moses on the mountain and, and the Lord said to Moses, I have a plan for you to go to lead my people out. And he said, Lord, I can't do it. Now you're ready. And God could use him because he could get out of the way and trust God. He ceased from his own works, his own way of doing things. And that's when God could use him to be a man who led Israel into rest. But there is something that can help us in ceasing from our own works. Because, you know, you have to have something that's going to hold you. To hold you in that place of just trusting God and ceasing, letting go of our own way and our own will. And we read earlier that the rest of God is rest for our soul. Right? For our emotions and how we're feeling. And Hebrews 4 uh, speaks of something, or Hebrews speaks of something that can be an anchor for our soul. And it wasn't faith. Uh, but Hebrews 4. No, that was 1 Corinthians 13. I got my notes mixed around. Is it? Oh, that's it. I was reading the first part of the verse. Okay, I got it. Hebrews 6, 18. The promise to those who believe. You know, we can trust God because of two unchangeable things. They were the promise and the oath to Abraham that he would bring his seed into the promised land. And then it says in, in verse 18, it says, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. And that hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. That hope is the anchor for our soul. And so God has given us a promise that he's leading us into the promised land if we'll follow him. And we can have that hope as an anchor that keeps us, that keeps us secure. You know, if a boat's in the storm, it throws out those anchors and usually it has a couple, sometimes three or four or five, just to keep it from going too far up and down. And it keeps it st holding steady. And so even though we're in the storm, God wants to give us a hope that's an anchor for us, that keeps us. That no matter what the situation is, if it's sickness or 
lack or weakness or failure, we can hope that God will bring us through it to his holy mountain, to dwell in his presence. That's our hope. And there's great power in that, right? As the Apostle Paul shared about hope, it's at least as important as faith, right? Because he put it in that the list of the big three in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, right? Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love, and well, hope came right after that. And so God wants to change the anchor of our soul from being in our own works and our own ideas to being set upon the sure hope that he will bring us into the land. And one more thought is back in Hebrews 4. He says, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Hebrews 4.11, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Now, first it says we cease from our own works. And then it says labor to enter into rest. I always, sometimes I get a chuckle when I read that, you know. It's like, aren't they the opposite? Don't, don't we have to cease? And then we, how do you cease and then labor? Um, you know, but that, that is a concept of rest is finding that perfect balance of ceasing from our own labor and our own striving, but then still following God in that journey. And it can be a difficult concept to, to grasp that thought of laboring to rest. Uh, but I think a really good example is someone who's learning to swim, right? Yeah. If, you, if you've learned to swim, if you haven't, I'm sorry, this might not make sense. You haven't entered rest yet. But, but, you know, when you're first learning to swim, you have to learn to trust that the water will hold you up. And some people get in there and they do, they do not trust the water. And so they just flail around and they're just like, this water is trying to kill me. Well, it will if you give it a chance, I guess, but... But yet, you know, they can be flapping and doing all that. And, and, you know, at some point they're going to lose strength and the water is going to win. They start to sink. So you kind of have to trust in that mystery of the buoyancy, right? That a, uh, an object in water with a certain density will be held up by that water. And I mean, that, that's kind of the mystery of God, of how he works in our lives. And we have to come to that place of trusting that he'll keep us. And so there's that ceasing from our own works. Stop fighting it and surrender to it. But yet, you know, I like the illustration of swimming because you don't stop, right? You'll, you'll sink if you don't do something in the water, right? So there's still an effort. But, you know, to tread water, you got to just move a little bit, right? You move, kick your feet a little bit, move your arms a little bit, and you can just float there for hours and just enjoy your time in the water, right? And so there's that work. The water does most of the work. We do a little bit of labor to keep ourselves afloat. And so there's that balance there. And what is the labor that we perform? Well, back in Matthew 11, verse 29, it says, Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. This is how we can enter into rest. 
Learn, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so God wants to exchange the heavy yoke of our own ways and our own will, our own labor, for his light and easy yoke and burden. You know, we can come into a wonderful rest just by walking in the way he tells us to, just by responding to the leading of the Holy Spirit, because he wants to do things in our lives. He wants to work his righteousness, his holiness, his fruit of the Spirit, his love, joy, peace, and gentleness, and so forth, as we cease from our own works. And as we allow him to do that, something happens. Something takes place in us. I'll close with one more verse here from Isaiah. Isaiah 32 and verse 17. It says, The work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness be quietness and assurance forever. And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitations, in sure dwellings, and in a quiet resting place. That's the effect of God working in the lives of his people as we cease from our own works. You know, I can testify of that. You know, as you walk with God, the peace increases. As you surrender more and more to God, the burden lifts, right? The quietness and the assurance increases because he's bringing us into rest. I love what it says. You know, my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation, full of peace, a quiet resting place. You know, that's what he desires to give. And so the cry, as the, you know, the cry of our heart is, Lord, give me Jesus. It's, it's, Lord, give me the way that you walked. May I walk as you did. Because I know we're going to go through storms. But Lord, give me the ability to rest in those storms. Well, let's respond to him. His invitation those who are heavy and weighed down by the cares and worries of life or just striving to do things our own way, if we'll come to him, he'll exchange our heavy burden for his light one. It's not, he doesn't totally take it away, but he gives us something that he says is light and easy. That's in comparison because sometimes it, it can feel heavy at the time when you're, you're at that point of decision, Lord, help me surrender. But yet, in eternity, we're going to see that it was so light and so easy compared to the, the heavy burden of doing things our own way and being in charge of our own destiny. Because that never ends well. But as we come to Him and we're obedient to His ways, He'll give us rest for our souls a rest in the day of trouble, and also a hope. A hope that we can have within us that's an anchor for our soul, an anchor that we can throw out in the storm and it'll keep us steady until the Lord says, peace be still. That no matter the difficulty, that hope will be an anchor that will keep us. Lord, that is the cry of our heart. Lord, we, we long to walk in the way that you walked, Lord, that you've ordained, that you showed to us. And so, Lord, we cry out to you that you would just work afresh within us, Lord, that we would, Lord, 
cease striving and trying to do things according to our own understanding and our own will and our own way. Lord, we come unto you. Lord, we give our lives. We give our thoughts and our plans and our motives unto you. And we just pray that you would, Lord, even help us to let go and to surrender and to put you in charge of our lives that we can come into that rest. Oh God, and even help us to labor. Show us the things we need to do, Lord. Show us the things we need to cease from and then the things we need to do, Lord, as we rest in you. Lord, we just pray that you would do a fresh work. Oh, bring us into that good land. Let that, Lord, that hope be an anchor for our soul that we would keep in that way and walk in it, we ask. Let this be the cry of our life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.